continuing our series in Chasing Daylight. We'll read again John 9, 4, 5. As long as it is day, we must do the works who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, again, I'll repeat as I've said over and over, this implies urgency. And we've gone over the last six or seven weeks giving you pieces of what we would believe uh, as, as we follow the series in the book of Er McManus of specifics of if you're chasing daylight, these are important. Influence we talked about last week, no question. But today it's on impact. It's leaving, I would say this, this is my words, leaving a mark that Ajax won't take off, okay? I don't know how many know what Ajax is, a comet, whatever, but you're just going to leave a mark if you just, that won't even work. It's going to stay. You know, in the last few months, I've had the honor to do a few funerals of some awesome people. And often when preparing to be especially the speaker, but even if I'm not, but specifically the speaker to bring the message, I spent a lot of time trying to put together, you know, thoughts and the right words and listening to the families and things of that nature. Because I want to have the most honoring and most respectful and be able to celebrate that person's life in a way that not only do we know them a little better, but maybe we know ourselves just a little bit better when we do that. But I also have a tendency to think of my own life. How will I be remembered? You know, when a person becomes older, you know, like I am, <laughs> okay? But when a person becomes older, it becomes very sobering. Jan and I were just recently talking about how sobering how short life really is. You know, when you're younger, I don't think you think you've got plenty of time to worry about it. But when you get a little older, you, it becomes, like I said, pretty sobering with how fast you've ended up here. And if the next however many years go by as fast as these last years have gone by, you, it, it slows you down a little bit. But how will I be remembered? Everyone. I repeat, everyone. live some level of impact in their life. I mean, some of the smallest, I, I've, I've heard stories, and I've never experienced this, but babies being born and only living a few hours and parents being able to talk about the impact, even at, I mean, even in the shortest moments. How carrying that child and how the child being born and only living a few hours maybe, how even an impact, well, let's talk about then almost 20 years or 50 years or 70 years or 80 years, what can that look like? We all leave a mark. The question is, will it be, will it be, a, will it be painting a destructive picture or a helpful picture <laughs> with that life? And I know for some of us, it's, it's easy to opt out, and we've talked about this with influence, that if we're not in a position of power or we're not famous or something along that line, that you know, what really impact maybe can we make but the reality is the most humble and, and reality is almost the most often impacts and greatest impacts that happen in our culture are done by the people we never hear about in general as a public. I said last week, 
being missed when you're gone is a worthy objective. Being missed when you're gone is a worthy objective. Will your legacy be a curse that is brought about by your actions or inactions? What if God's plan for you, one of your greatest impacts you can make is to stop a cycle of addiction and dysfunction in a family? Maybe that could be it. Maybe that, that alone. Become the person you should be. Maybe you'll never write a book. Maybe you'll never be famous. But you're just saying, I am going to stop this cycle. Right here it ends today. In my lifetime, for those who will follow me. Maybe that's it. What if God's plan for you is to be the best husband or wife? Mom or dad, best coach, best elementary school tutor, best band driver for renovation. I don't know what that is. But what if that is, that's going to be your lasting legacy, is you to step into that. That would be tremendous. A blessing or a curse. The challenge is the same for all of us. Will we follow Christ and fulfill his call on our lives and his vision for our lives or not? Donner Miller asked in his book, Storyline, says, can you imagine a movie where a guy's main goal is to buy a Volvo? At the end of the movie, he gets the car. Not very inspirational, not very impactful. But that's the way so many people live their lives. Their life is around how, what can I get? What can I end up with? What can I, at the end of it, it's all said and done. What did I end up with? It's really not very inspirational. If that's where you are right now, I just want to let you know. And in reality is it's not very impactful long term. John 10.10. 10, as many of you know, is my life verse. Of course, it can be somebody else's too. I just want you to know that. But, but, but it is... As you well know, been mine for many of you know for for twenty something years. That the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the more, let me say this: the more you get in the trenches of following after Christ, this come, becomes more and more real. If that's not happening in your life, I, I heard this years ago, and you can take it for what it's worth. If you if you haven't run into the devil today, it's probably because you're going the same direction he is. Just leave that right where it is. Happy Mother's Day. There you go. (laughs) But my point is this. The more you follow after Christ, the more you step into that, I'm going to tell you, hey, where'd it go? Uh, Yeah, chasing daylight. The more I think you will understand that concept that the enemy comes to steal, he comes to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. To kill relationships, to separate you. Sin does what? It separates us. It isolates us, then it destructs us. That's a better, better way to say it. But Jesus, though, says, I have come that you may have life and live it to the full. Live in life, as I've said for 20 something years, and live in life to the max. To live that life to its fullest potential. But it's not just for me, it's for every person. 
Years ago, I, Brother Paul Holderfield told a, just a brief little story that just impacted me. It stuck with me. Because you begin to ask the question, what kind of life do I want to live? What, what do I intend to be? What kind of impact do I want to make? And he said there was this homeless man walking down the road, walking down the street one day, and he, he asked this guy who was trying to find out was a lawyer. He said, sir, can you give me some money? And the lawyer just kind of blew him off. And, and of course, it could be any of us, okay? I'm not just saying the lawyer, but in this, in this story it was. So he just kind of blew him off and just, just kind of walked by him and the lawyer kept walking, and that homeless man finally said he had kind of had enough. So he went and ran right, right in front of that, that gentleman and said, I just want you to know, I wish you could see the man I intended to be. I wish you could have known the man that I intended to be. I don't think any of us are born and put into motion in this old world trying to end up somewhere that's dysfunctional and maybe harmful to ourselves and harmful to others. That's not our intent. I don't think most of us are wired that way. We don't get up ready to go that way, do we? But circumstances happen. It could be a varied way of getting there. But the question, though, is comes back to us, is Jesus' words true? Has he come that we may have life and live it to the full? That really becomes the question for us. Can't, do we really believe that's the case? Because if it is, it gives us hope. Like I said last week, uh, when I was saved at 20, 25, 26 years old, I was, I was here one moment, dysfunctional in my habits and all the things, and I was in my sin and all kinds of dysfunction. Over here, I was saved, dysfunctional, and a mess. Still, not a whole lot changed from here to there, but I, but I had now had hope. Now I had opportunity to become different than I was. Over there, I had no shot at it, except to continue to get worse. Now I had hope. I'm going to tell you, at 26 years old, I was not the man I intended to be. I just wasn't. I never desired to have addictions, baggage that was hanging all over me. I never, ever, ever desired that early on. But you stay in it long enough, you think you have to desire it. And somehow that became my identity. Christ began to change my identity. And out of that, he began to change the impact of what my life could be. So I want to share just a few things here today that may be of some help to you, may not be. Things I've observed over the years that I think in watching people's lives that I believe are impactful, that leave a mark. And again, I'm not, they're not going to be up on the screen, so if it's important to you, you can write it down. If not, I understand. The first one is this, I would just say, maybe in this particular order. The people who are impactful, it's clear to others around them what matters. It's extremely clear to them what matters. Now, that can be bad, obviously. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also 
be or be also, whichever way you want to read that. You may not always live out what you profess, but you will always live out what you value. You say it again. You may not always live out what you say or what you write down or anything, but you will always live out what you value. You don't have any choice. If we believe Jesus, then we have to come to the question, what are we, what are we investing ourselves in? What are we protecting at all costs? Because I can, I can tell you today, it wouldn't take you long at all. One, you could sit down and write down what you believe matters most and then let people around you who are closest to you write the same list down. It may be different. I will say this. I think a great objective is, is that those who are close to you think, closest to you think the most of you. Because there's going to be people in the peripheral in, 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 in certain circles outside of you who really don't know the things you have to do, the way you operate. They may not ever think the most of you, but those closest to you, what they think of you, because they see you with all your scars and all your mess and all your dysfunction, but also all your redeemed self that God has changed. They, they saw how you used to be. And they see how you are and what you believe you can be. And what you're striving to become. Even if you're not there, they get a sense of what you desire. They really believe in you. Whether you get, ever get there all completely, you won't. I'll just tell you, you won't. But what's your desire and what steps are you taking to try to get there? That'll tell them. Because we show value by the things we protect. I mean, when you get around people of great impact, they know who they are, they know why they are who they are, and they know where they're headed. And I will say this, if you become that kind of person, it will usually cost you more than you can imagine because it requires great sacrifice. It requires great determination to stay the course because it's easy to get knocked off the course. It's good. I'm going to tell you, if you choose to be as a parent or as a husband or wife or as a single to live a certain way, I'm going to tell you right now, there are challenges coming. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The war, the battle's coming. But I'm going to tell you, when you have the deep conviction, you can't just talk about conviction. It has to move to action. Or you can talk all day about how what you're convicted of, but if you're not living it out, you ain't convicted of it yet. Or you're, you're smart. I mean, you've, you've, you've got enough information in your head to say this. I shouldn't be doing that. Or I should be doing that. You've got that. But until it moves to conviction, that... Live it out. Let's see it. Let's see what matters in your life. Now, just don't talk about it anymore. Even though I think it's great sometimes, and I'll talk about it in just a second, to write it down and to go public. And I love that song, and I didn't know we were doing Reckless Love this morning. 
Because some of life's greatest opportunities of where he's going to let you make the greatest impact are not behind doors or windows that you're waiting to open. And I know we use that term in the church so much, it almost makes me nauseated, even though I think it's got some truth to it. There are times we may have to kick the door open. And there may be times we may have to climb over walls and climb over mountains to get where God wants us to get to. If you're just waiting for some simple little swing the door open, you're in trouble. But it comes out of what matters to you. It comes out of who you've become and what you want to be. Second thing I would mention is you have to stop running. You have to become visible of who you say you want to be. Go public. I see, I see leaders, and I just and I know it's not Father's Day, so well then I can make you feel bad. We'll do that next month. We'll, we'll lift you up next month. But I've seen fathers over the years inside the church. I'm not talking about wanting to be invisible when it comes to leading their family. Now, I've seen some who won't relinquish and allow those to lead their family. I get that too. I may get in trouble for saying that. But you've got to go public. Again, I know for me, the, the first thing I had to do to follow after Christ was to stop running. Stop running. He's going to find you. Yeah, that's a big amen. I mean, you, most of us in here go, thank you, Jesus. Not everybody does, though, do they? See, when you run from his purpose, you run from his presence. I love what Eric McManus says. He says, Our obedience creates a spiritual epicenter through which God shakes up the world around us and others come to know him. I'm going to read that again. Our obedience creates a spiritual epicenter through which God shakes up the world around us and others come to know Him. It is your obedience. Some of you are, are, are still debating on whether to get baptized next week. I keep pointing over here. You can't see it, but there's going to be a baptistry right there, okay? Just reading, I keep pointing that way just so you'll know. But what, here's the point about this. Some of you have got to stop running. And some of you, it is time now, not Six months from now, not when you get everything together, because you won't. It's now. I got baptized three weeks after I was saved, and you talk about somebody who didn't have anything together. Oh, my goodness. But I knew one thing, obedience, and what I hear from McManus is obedience is where the epicenter where God can work. That's where the biggest shakeup happens. It's when you begin to walk in obedience. Just simply what you know right now. Yeah, he's not asking you to know what you're going to know 30 years from now or even five minutes from now. But what do you know right now? He 
He says, when we seize these divine moments, we magnify the presence of God. I don't know what you want to do with your life. If you want to magnify your own presence, then this sermon's not for you. But if you want to magnify the presence of God, then one of the things you've got to do is stop running. Many years ago, I came to the conclusion talking about not being invisible because I'm an introvert on one side, extrovert. I'm kind of a 50-50 as we do our uncommon stuff. That's kind of what comes out of me. I'm kind of in between about 50-50. Not everybody is. Some, some people are 80-20 either direction. But one of the things I realized, if I was going to ever make an impact for the kingdom, I had to be fully present. I could no longer be invisible. And I had to deliver the convictions that God had given me and had put in purpose and, and calling he put on my life. Many of you have heard it over and over, so I won't go through all of it here. But it was to sweat together, to laugh together, to cry together, sweat together, accomp- you know, accomplish something together, to laugh together, have fun in life. Do it really, do it a lot. Do, do, do it a whole lot in people's lives if you want to make an impact. Cry with them. You can't, and here's the thing about crying. You can't create it, but you can't run from it. You don't, cre- you don't create crying situations where things bad happen. I want to make something bad happen so I can step in and help these people. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you just got to be antenna up and willing to step into it when it's time. I know there's only a certain amount of you to go around. And I know this day and age, man, it's hard. It's the reason why there needs to be more people raised up. Because we can't cover enough ground. There are people around you hurting all the time. We've got to raise up leaders to step into those spots. Because there's some gaps right now, I'll just tell you. I know there is. You know, this year I've watched a mom reasonably up close. Nothing else by social media. Fighting for her child who has cancer. Very public. This year, just a few weeks ago, watch a mom bury her young adult son. But live it out. Following after Christ, both of them. Even in the midst of all that. I said, I watched my mom pass away in December. But I'll be honest with you, almost with a smile on her face. You know, my mom made such an impact on me. My mom was visible. My mom was present. And she was humble. And she, I could go on and on. I mean, I've married one of the most awesome ladies in the world who's not only an unbelievable wife, but a phenomenal mom. But I also had one. So I feel very blessed in my life. My mom taught me some spiritual lessons without ever saying, hey, this is a spiritual lesson. You, your mom may have done the same thing. My mom would do this. I, I did this, but I was probably seven or eight, ten years old. I don't remember, but she bought me a new dresser. So I took a straight pin and scratched it all up. Had it about a week, and I just took a straight pin. Yeah, that's what you do, right? And so I go to my mom and tell her, I'm crying, I'm repentant, I'm confessing. She accepted my, my repentance and then told me then just soon told me go out to the peach tree and break a limb off a twig (laughs) spiritual lesson 
spiritual lesson, right? You can sin, repent, confess, cry, and have forgiveness, but the consequences don't necessarily go away. And they could be significant. If you've ever been, I learned early on, get bigger limbs instead of smaller because the smaller ones whip, boy. I mean, they can go. They, I mean, you don't, you get the bigger, you just bring a limb in the house if you have to. And of course, I know today she'd be arrested, but that's just beside the boy. My mom, my mom on that, the flip side of that, when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 17 in there, especially after I graduated high school, I still lived at home with them. And I'd pull up at 3 or 4 in the morning, 2 or 3 in the morning, and be so drunk I, couldn't, I didn't even know how I got home. And to walk in that house knowing that my mom, our front of our house had this huge picture window. And I always knew she was sitting in that rocking chair. Now, she may fall asleep 20 times. I don't know by the time I got home. But she wouldn't go into bed till I got home. And I'd walk in that house. She wouldn't say a word to me except she loved me and she'd go to bed. Spiritual lesson. There are times that all you can do is give unconditional love. And there's nothing else you can do. And that's what she did for me. I hope she's sitting by that picture window still in heaven if there is one. <laughs> is waiting for us to get home safely. But man, I knew who my mom was. And it was very clear. The next one I would say is help others live into their best. Live life to the max. Help other people live into... If you want to leave an impact that, that, that mark that Ajax can't take off, help others. We want to be that kind of church. That's the reason why we've worked so hard on some things. And I know we've taken a little time, stepped a little back, but we want to make sure we leave an impact and we want to give tools for people to become that, to discover what God can do in their lives. Help others. I mean, one of the greatest gifts you could ever give, if you're a parent, you could ever give your children is help them understand their godly convictions and why. And then begin to help them understand their gifts and graces and abilities and how that can live out to advance the kingdom. That's one of the greatest gifts you could ever give your children. I don't care what you leave them, inherent and material-wise, but I'm going to tell you right now, that is the greatest gift you can leave. Let me say, by the way, I want to make sure, because I know there's some movement. You're not promised another day. I don't care if you're 16, 17, 18 years old. Now is the time to do it. Today. You don't wait till you're 60. You don't wait till you're 35. You do it now. Teenagers, college students, it's now. The reason why we work so hard even for our children and we've got a tremendous children's pastor, it's now. I know I'm getting a little fired up on that one. I'm a, chill, I'm a youth pastor at heart. I just do it for big people now. But I'm going to tell you right now. There's an arm around your neck and nose to nose. That's how we're going to try to do it. Because we love you way too much to not tell you the truth. And we are not going to apologize for challenging you to become everything God's calls you to be. We're just not going to apologize for it. And it may not be for everybody. And I get it. I get it. Dreaming, I think one of the greatest things you can do for your family is to dream with them, dream with people, and don't be insecure in people's dreams. Don't sit around and try to squash somebody's dream because it intimidates you because you're insecure. Get over your insecurities, okay? Because I'm telling you, once you get over your insecurities, it helps you then help other people. But as long as you're insecure, you will squash other things that you shouldn't be squashing. 
And yeah, when you have kids in your home, they're going to dream up the craziest things. We have people who want to be astronauts in our house. We just tried to find NASA videos to give to them, okay? That's all I know. You know what I'm saying? Why not? The VHS? I <laughs> remember when we did that. She still has them. Dreams are invisible, but they are powerful. I love what Matthew Kelly says in Dream Manager. He says, I know if we can make the connection between the people we influence and their dreams for the future, we will unleash an energy that will transform the world. Some would argue, some argue, have argued that it's not our responsibility to help others fulfill their dreams. Kelly goes on to state, it's one of the primary responsibilities of all relationships is to help each other fulfill our dreams. It is our responsibility as fellow human beings to help people get there. How many of you have destroyed or at least hindered your spouse's and your children's dreams because you've been chasing after your dream? I mean, when couples begin to dream together, it it transforms, it overcomes so much more. When a community of believers has kind of the same value and we're headed this way and we all kind of know where we're going, just like a couple or a family would, it begins to change things. It begins to overcome a multitude of dysfunctions. I'm not even going to say sins here. Now, sin needs to be dealt with, but there are sometimes we just got, we're just quirky. You know, just because you get saved or sanctified doesn't get rid of your quirkiness. I, I wished it could. I think Dr. Dan says, you know, sanctification alone does not cure stupidity even. (laughs) He goes on to say, Matthew Kelly says, you can ignore people's dreams, but it will be at your peril. It will be at your peril. You're free to ignore your children's dream, your spouse's dream, your employee's dreams, your customer's dreams, your nation's dreams. But in each of these areas of life, you will pay an enormous price if you do. The last thing I would say is, live with the end in mind. Live with the end in mind. In the uncommon training, one of the things, and many of you may have done it in some other trainings before, it's why I borrowed it from somewhere else, I can't even remember where it was, but one of the things we, you're required to do is to write your obituary at the end of it. And it's living as if I know what I, know what I want them to say at my memorial. I want to write that down and I want to go public with it. Here's a version of mine and you can take it for what it's worth. Kurt, Kurt believed everyone had great potential that may have never been realized. It was Kurt's desire to see people in churches to live their life to its fullest potential. His life verse was John 10, 10, and he believed Jesus meant it when he said that he has come that we may have life and have it abundantly, living life to the max. He loved dreaming about what could be and seeing those God-given dreams come to life. I hope that's how I end this thing. I'm not totally there yet, but I'll tell you what, that's what I desire. That's what I desire for our church. What a desire for you individually. 
And it's not flawless, believe me. <laughs> it's not without curves and ups and downs and hills. I get it. That's my desire. If God would grant me the opportunity to how I want to exit this world, I hope to be an old, old man. Lying in my bed or sitting on the chair on the front porch somewhere. Or maybe driving a fast race car. I don't know. I just <laughs> Seated next to me would be Jan of my 60-something plus years and my awesome wife. Surrounded by my children and their spouses who are chasing after God. And their grandchildren and their children, which is my grandchildren, chasing after God. And my grandchildren going around setting fire, great-grandchildren going around setting fires and whatever else is going on at that point, <laughs> disrupting the whole moment. I realized that opportunity for me to shape the future won't even be in my sermons or some of the things I'll teach. It'll be how I live my life in front of them. That's what's going to be the difference. I heard someone say, Our grandchildren and great-grandchildren are messengers we send to a time that we will not see. Our grandchildren and great-grandchildren are messengers that we send to a time that we will not see. I'm currently called G-Pop by my grandkids, my two awesome little granddaughters. And I hope it sticks through all of them. My desire, and I, and I can't speak for you, but I want the generations after me to be smelling the, the fumes of their great, great, great G-pop. He tried to live his life the best he knew how to his fullest. Psalm 71, 17, 18 says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake save me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. The awesome thing about this is, and some of you may be older at this point, or you may be in a situation where you go, I've screwed this thing up so bad. Again, the Maria Robinson quote that I've, we've done here so many times. I don't know if it's up on, if you have that one back there. Today, that can change. You were called to fulfill a great mission. You're designed for a unique, uncommon purpose. Now you're called to live it out. Go public. Write your obit and live with the end in mind. Jesus gives us an opportunity to a great adventure. I just pray that you'll step into it. Ask Josiah and him to come as we close. As we do almost every Sunday, we have for months, the altars are open. Some of you just need to stop running, and you don't even know what that means. <laughs> you just need to stop running and be obedient to what God is putting on your heart. Just step into it. Some of you, it has to do with baptism. I'd love to see you back there. Uh, it'll take me probably five, seven minutes after the service, and I'll meet you back there.
and just talk about it. I'm not trying to force you to do that. For some of you, though, it's obedience. It just simply is. For some of you, you just got to make some decisions. It's not complicated. You, you, it's not really, it's a simple thing. What do you want to be remembered by? What impact do you want to lead? It's very, very, very simple. Someone asked one time as we did a service in Texarkana, they wanted one of our, our music leader to uh, sing, I did it my way at, the, at his memorial. And we said, no, nah, we can't do that. <laughs> Even though you may have, <laughs> that's just not something we're going to do. I hope that's not your theme song. I did the best I could to do it his way. With all my flaws and all my mess and all my dysfunction, I did the best I knew how. And then like Acts 13, 36 says about David, David served God's purpose in his own generation. Then he fell asleep. He died. What a great epitaph. Whatever age that is, whatever time that is, but I did what I was supposed to do while I was here. And then he was done. Take me home. Would you stand? Mr. Sion, then we'll lead us. I'm going to pray for us. You come if you feel led today. And then if, like I said, if baptism, I would love to talk to you. It doesn't commit you, but at least you can come and talk to us. Okay, if you want to do that today. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for being able to be around this room today knowing that your call is still as real today as it was to your disciples and those who have followed. But we know today there's a lot of clutter and a lot of noise that keeps us from stepping in. One of them is today, Lord, we just sometimes don't have the courage. But Lord, as we've said here before, it's been repeated, I don't remember who said it, but courage is not the absence of fear, the courage is the absence of self. That others now and you, Lord, are the main reason that we move and we breathe and we have life. Lord, thank you for this time. And Lord, do as you will do, not as we want done, but as you will do. And pray for obedience in the midst of that. We pray it in your